You're listening to an Anazal Ministries podcast. Can free will exist without us all undoing ourselves? Who is the toy maker in Doctor Who? And can the Marvels save the multiverse? Guys, this is Systematic Ecology. We are the priests to the geeks. Um, and if you haven't been here before, all we mean by that isn't that we're all ordained necessarily. Some of us are. Will is. But rather, we're just talking about being the mediators between fandom and our faith. So, yeah, yeah. pretty simple stuff. Yeah. Nothing too mind-blowing or anything. But, yeah. <clears throat> sorry about that. I do have a cold, and I apologize for that. I have a cold, and I apologize for that. And Joshua aren't even hanging around the same places. Yeah. But maybe we yeah. got it at North Carolina Comic Con, and we didn't know it. That's that's possible. Yeah. That is possible. It's possible. And... If you're the one person who's watching live right now, if you're watching and you're catching up live, drop below in the comments where you're coming from. And we would love to, you know, shout you out on the air. For now, I'm Joshua Knoll. I'm, you know, right now I'm I'm in Lancaster, South Carolina. I'm originally from Knoxville, Tennessee. I don't know who all knows that, but, you know, it's a fun fact, I suppose. Recently, the main thing I've been uh, geeking out on um we met Alyssa Wong at uh, NC Comic Con. We don't always do what we've been geeking out on with what new episodes, but I just mm. wanted to shout out because um, I've been on my getting into authors kick lately and I've been rereading all Scotty Young stuff that I can find and then getting back into G. Willow Wilson stuff. And I'm even reading Poison Ivy. I don't care about Poison Ivy. And now I'm over here like Alyssa Wong. You know what? I read a lot of her short stories and now I'm like, you know what? I'm th- I might just read everything that says Alyssa Wong. She's good. Yeah. Will. What's going on? Yeah, she she also wrote some Star Wars stuff, Doctor Afra, which is kind of a, a comic character, not in the movies or TV shows he created, just for the comics. So that might be one you want to get into. Uh, it's is pretty good. Yeah, pretty good I was looking at that. Too. I almost picked it up, but then the the first omnibus was like a hundred dollars, and I was like, mm, that might be a mm. Christmas present. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. It's morning. I got a head cold. We're coming off events. Uh, We're getting close to the holidays and um, uh, Joshua's favorite holiday, Thanksgiving. So that's right around the corner. Um, I'm kind of behind in in reading some of my comics. I keep piling up. But one thing I am doing is I'm purging my comic book collection so I can sell some back to my comic book store so I can reduce the number of boxes that are in storage. And it's been fun going through the comics comics and seeing things are like that was fun at the time but i don't need to hold on to that but then some things like i forgot that i had that uh Mm -hmm. oh wow that's a good issue i forgot about that i'm gonna get that signed at some point or i'm gonna reread that it's been kind of fun going back through all all those um all those comics and uh over 20 years of collecting pretty consistently so that's a lot of boxes of comics yeah also you see the movie poster that's on the wall back there can you see it No, I see there is a poster, oh. but I can't see what it is. Raiders of the Lost Ark. Uh, I was just like, you know, we would appreciate that one. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, we're all fast, though. Did you see the trailer for Madam Web? No. Oh, no. There, I that, is a what's new. that is a what's new. <laughs> that is a what's new. It's a it's a trailer. We'll, we'll talk about that in a minute. We'll talk about man, that. Man, man. Uh, exciting stuff. Um, so, yeah, sorry. With that, we're going to go ahead and jump into what we do for all of our What's News. We do a lightning round. Um, and that's just where we uh, we go through not our main topics, but stuff we're going to talk about quickly and briefly and just kind of highlight a few things for everyone. Um, the first thing I wanted to highlight was actually um, the Our Flag Means Death had a season two uh, or like a mm-hmm. partial season. 
it's, it mm-hmm. comes up as season two on HBO, which is not as long as the first season. It's great. Really challenges um, what we think of as masculinity and how it does or does not fit into um, same sex relationship kind of stuff. And um, as well as what it was like to be a woman in a certain time, all those kind of things really challenging the status quo of white male dominated cultures and um, in a very humorous piratey way. And I love that personally. So, yeah, Will, you got uh, you got something you want to add to? Well, I, I just go on that. I have, I've watched some of um, Our Flag Means Death, not all the way through. I want to go it's back funny. to it. But I think it, it um, what Taika does best is he kind of goes after stereotypes and labels. And so what you think a pirate is, um, he kind of flips it over and subverts it a little bit. So, uh, yeah, good stuff by Taika. I like Taika's uh, sense of humor and, and what he does um, in his oh, storytelling. Yeah. So, yeah, I'll I'll jump in on the other end of the spectrum and we'll talk about uh, Invincible. Season two is now in progress on Amazon Prime. Uh, that comp book series by Robert Kirkman, you know, of Walking Dead fame. And uh, he um, wrote these comics people really, really loved. I was kind of late to the game in the comics, but now it's an animated series on Amazon and and very, very good. Season two is off to a great start. I love superheroes. I love team books. I love the learning curve of what it means to be a hero and how do you use your powers right or not right or all all the kind of the Peter Parker what do I do that with this responsibility and how it affects all my relationships and Invincible takes that and raises it to another bar and level uh, it's not for kids it's definitely rated R it's very violent but um, but good man good storytelling good storytelling oh yeah uh, I haven't got all the way through where we're at I haven't caught up but I started with the episode one and I was like oh the show can still surprise me even after season one. And even yeah. after I read a ton of the comics and I'm like, I, huh? <laughs> it took me a minute to figure out what was happening and what was going on. And I was like, this is, this is good. Speaking yeah. of shocking and, um, yeah, the other words to describe shows, um, recently this year, I really started getting into, the boys. I know everybody like on our, I feel like most of the, our fellow systematic ecology people are kind of down on the boys. Um, I watched it cause I was bored and I was like, I want to see why we all don't like this. Hmm. And, and I started watching it and it's the show and it's dismantling what we think of as superheroes. It's dismantling like white male stuff. Again, I know I'm a white male and I, for some reason, I just really attracted to these shows that don't like my own culture, I guess. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but no, man, I, I loved it. I really like the the principle behind it, just kind of being this idea that you've heard it said power corrupts and absolute power corrupts. Absolutely. That's sort of the whole show. Um, you see, yeah, superheroes end up corrupted because they have too much power. And then the good guys, sometimes they get enough power to take down, you know, these people who have Superman like powers that are annihilating people for fun, more or less, or just not giving a crap about normal humans because they were just getting in their way. And then the normal human get the power to kind of maybe balance the scales. And what do they do? They get corrupted, too. Yeah. And it's just it's tragedy after tragedy. Um, sometimes you see some of the superheroes are able to be good, so they don't make it an absolute rule. But just kind of seeing that getting played with it, just kind of realizing where do I fall on this? You know, and, and what is my desire for influence? You know, as someone who does podcasts, I obviously do want to influence things. You know, I want to show people that you can be a geek and a Christian, too. I want to show people that not all Christians are like some of these over here. Then I'm like, okay, but what happens when I get that influence and I can show everybody that? Do I become that? Hmm. And it's, I don't know, it's challenging. I like that. And recently they had a spinoff series, Gen V, 
that was a uh, had even more disgust, even more shock factor. There was even a part in episode one that I was just like, you know what? I'm just going to have to skip this scene. I can't do it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's good. Yeah, yeah. I watched again halfway through the boys got this. Um, uh, not disinterested, but just kind of too much stuff. There's a lot of content out there. Yeah. What, where I'm going to put my time in? It's very so discouraging <laughs> to go back. But I, but I think that the comic. It was a comic book first, and and they made the comic book in, into a TV show and leaned into it. And it's supposed to be shocking. It's supposed to be like, wow, I can't believe this is what I'm seeing or reading. And if that's your reaction, then that's the proper reaction. I do think there's an element where you just level up so much, you start getting desensitized to these things, and you're just like, mm-hmm. oh well, you know. But but if it's challenging what you think of heroes and power and and those in power then then that's what it's trying to do in the first place but um yeah i've, I've heard uh da- our friend daniel uh sigmund talked about uh gen v uh at a on an episode not that long ago and daniel. he he uh he talked about that. He goes, yeah, not for kids, not for most people that you're friends with. Uh, but, but he really likes it and thinks it's um, good and funny and, and challenges things. So, so one of these days I'll get back to. Oh yeah. Yeah. I think disgust is definitely meant to be one of the factors and it's because it's not, I don't think it's an examination of superheroes as much as it is political figures and Mm -hmm. just humanity. It's just a look at what it means to be human and how sometimes humans are just disgusting. Um, and I will say, you know, Christian's big thing is wanting there to be some hope in your show. Christian, don't watch. Don't watch <laughs> the boys. It's not a show for Christian. Um, yeah. Our fellow host. I love him. But I was watching this. I'm like, yeah, there there just there isn't hope. Like, I don't end any point of this going, man, I'm really hopeful for what's going to happen next. I'm I'm yeah. not. <laughs> but I, I'm in it. I'm invested. Um, I want to see. I, I think my thing is I have hope that some characters might not get corrupted the same way and yep. i want to see how they answer that because i don't think the show is going to end with everyone was always corrupted i, I think there's going to be some kind of solution to this problem and what's interesting and if we ever do a sh- episode on it this is what we i would like to get into they even have religious figures who kind of play into this whole thing of oh look at these heroes they're guns and jesus and you know this guy and it's like oh oh no <laughs> If you feel gross, so, you yeah. should. If you yeah. feel gross, you should. Yeah. Also very reminiscent of some of the um, political people that churches have backed in the last uh, few decades. And I won't, you know, I won't highlight anyone specific. I'll just leave that hanging. Uh, I'll be happy to talk with people and talk about specifics. Um, just message me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just not on not on air, but I'll, I'll talk to you about it. All right. Well, you got another one? Yeah, yeah, I'll um, I'll talk about in the comic realm. Uh, Robert Kirkman's uh, again. Talk to Robert Kirkman. He's knocking out the part with a new series. He's calling it the um, the Intergon uh, Universe, and he's uh, the Hasbro toys of Transformers and GI Joe. He has that in Image Comics, and he's he's uh, the shared universe between GI Joe, Transformers, and this other book he's writing called Void Rivals, uh, which ties them in together. It's kind of the Void Rivals is like a Romeo and Juliet slash um, sci-fi two warring races. Why are they warring? Uh, warring against each other? Why are they in 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 conflict? Well, one's jewel is red on their forehead, and the other one's uh, on their head. Uh, jewel is green. So it's like, oh man, of course you would fight because you look different than the other person. Uh, but within that universe, this this battle going on, you have Transformers sharing the same universe, and same with GI Joe. And so it does tie together nice. I haven't been this excited about comics in a while. I'm not. I wasn't even. I was a little older when Transformers and 
G.I. Joe, you know, I, that wasn't my my bandwidth and, and part of my my toy and geekdom when I was a kid because I was more like Star Wars and and superheroes rather than those things. But, man, getting back into this and looking at the old comics that they had with Marvel and now Image having these, I think, is a lot of fun. So if you want to jump, jump in on point and you're a Transformers fan, a G.I. Joe fan, then this is a good place to jump in. Robert Kirkman does a good job curating uh, the shared universe there. So a lot of good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And I have uh, one last one for our lightning rounds that you mentioned comics. I also want to highlight uh, The Hunger in the Dusk. Uh, a friend of mine actually recommended the the issue one to me as a uh, Pastor Will Rose. Uh, <laughs> great guy. But uh, G. Willow Wilson writes this. It's a fantasy series. And it's funny. I'm getting the issue single issues and I'm already like, I'm going to have to get this in trade back. I don't know why I keep picking up the single issues. I, I'm it's almost like you know you have those shows that sometimes you watch and it's just so irritating to wait for the week by week that you're like i kind of just want to binge it at the end that's kind of how i feel but i think i might keep doing what i'm doing and just be irritated because i just i love the story it's so good humans and orcs having to get along together to fight a different fantasy race i don't want to you know spoil anything for anybody but right it's yeah and it, it's interesting. It really challenges ideas of a uh, race, you know, and even some of our stereotype ideas of for a culture to be a war culture and, a you know, we like meat and law culture. That must mean that they're not an intellectual culture, too. Right. And that's hmm. wrong. They can still have arts. They can still have all of those things. And um turns out we can all be multifaceted. And a lot of times in our sci fi and fantasies, we kind of paint this race is the smart race and this race is the war race and here uh g will wilson's going yeah i'm not gonna do that i'm gonna do something wildly different and make you just kind of try and figure this whole thing out and even for me personally i don't know if this is a purpose but so far i'm I'm even like are we sure that the bad guy race is just bad guy race because i'm kind of doubting it at this point yeah, and G. Willow Wilson's the creator of Miss Marvel. So again, she did that in that comic talking about uh, race and religion and stereotypes and what it means to be a hero. And in this fantasy realm, uh, G. Willow Wilson's doing the same same thing. The art's fantastic, and uh, I'm collecting that as well. And we'll probably collect collect the trade for my bookshelf. And and yes, yeah, another one of those yeah. things that they could make into an animated series or or a show or something in terms of uh, the the popularity of, of fantasy and D and D and all that it just it's just right into that genre slides right into that genre so yeah good pick there if i if i had my way um the people who created the attack on titan anime would mm. make an anime of the series it would be great Ooh, nice yeah. hey one yeah. more thing though lightning round okay uh, we're gonna talk about this madam madam web sony is oh, putting yeah. out these spinoffs of like uh spider-man adjacent stories you know so there's morbius and and venom and now we have madam web and so that trailer just dropped yesterday another multiverse another different kind of spider-man i don't know what sony thinks they're doing with with this or who they think they're is going to go to it most of the stuff is bombing or not doing that great or people watch it to kind of just whatever but but actually the trailer looked pretty good and i know that mm-hmm. um i know joshua likes madam web and the different oh yeah strings on the web of the multiverse i don't know when i'm gonna get tired or multiverse uh so i feel like i kind of am uh but man yeah. I, if you can show me different versions of different people and and i can think about different adjacent or versions of will out there in the multiverse then then i'm entertained so who knows this this might be different for sony yeah. might be a hit we'll see yeah although i gotta say uh, i watched morbius just to see why it was so bad i liked it 
Oh, of course you did. <laughs> I was like, I don't like I didn't I didn't love it, but I was like, this is still entertaining. This is like yeah. 2000 Spider-Man. Like what? OK. <laughs> anyway. All right. That, uh, we are going to jump into some of our main topics and really the the big main topic we're going to talk about today is Loki. But first, we're going to run through a couple of others. Um, Doctor Who has a 60th anniversary coming up. One of the biggest fandoms ever is Doctor Who. And it's one of my favorites. Um, I know it's a lot of our listeners and fellow host favorites. Um, great series started in black and white. It started around the time that Tolkien and Lewis were still alive. Think about that. That's wild. Yeah. 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 And um, yet you see here's the first doctor with we're even talking about something that I wasn't born yet. Joshua, we're, we're talking about something that even <laughs> I wasn't born. Yeah, that's kind of fun. I I have seen more of these than most of your American friends. And that's not me trying to do like a like a geek, whatever. Like, I, I feel like I have a problem. Like, I, I have DVDs that are only available in the UK at my house. I have, like, downloaded files that have only recently been allowed to be downloaded. Mm. <laughs> and I'm like, I, I have all these. I have, like, the audiobooks, the comics that fill you in the gaps. Um, and one of the audiobooks has recently become relevant. Um, the Sixth Doctor is not seen on screen right now. That's the first Doctor. But the Sixth Doctor has a story with the Celestial Toy Maker that they never filmed so instead they turned it into an audiobook it was a fully written episode and they said let's just let's make it an audiobook um and it's the midnight at the fair and it's extremely relevant because in our 60th anniversary coming up that we're all excited about because we have our favorite dr david Tennant coming back i don't say but not as the 10th doctor as the 14th doctor which is confusing and wild especially with the endless child stuff so it's not really 14 it's like 30 something maybe we don't know <laughs> but the toy maker also is played by someone that a lot of geeks really like uh, yeah. a certain neil patrick harris and a lot of our doctor who fans who just started watching 10 20 years ago are like who the heck's the toy maker <laughs> and i just kind of wanted to unpack the character a little bit to kind of get because I'm a, I'm just excited about Doctor Who. Want to talk about it, and B because it's actually a really interesting character, and I think understanding why this character is relevant for this time in Doctor Who might help people get a little bit more hyped up for it. So the Celestial Toy Maker first appears in like the seventh series of Doctor Who, and we don't have all of those episodes. We have some of those episodes available. So if you go to Wikipedia or something and you try to look up what happened. You're going to get a bunch of different accounts because people don't agree on what happened in that series because no one really remembers it very well and it's just not available to us. But there is a toy maker. He's basically the Riddler, but with time or saw, if you prefer saw, <laughs> you know, he creates these elaborate games and traps and people get stuck in it and he always rigs it in his own favor where only he could win. But of course, the doctor's the doctor. So sometimes the doctor uses the TARDIS to basically mimic the toy maker's voice and can kind of trick the trick if that makes sense and it's always like these fun little mind games kind of stuff which is fun in on itself i love a good riddler saw kind of character who's going to create a puzzle and then we see the doctor unwinded and just figure it all out and it's like oh that's great but then you get to and i highly recommend everyone listen to the audiobook of the nightmare sorry the fair the night nightmare at the fair i'm having a hard time today <laughs> but <laughs> 
And the nightmare at the fair is the sixth doctor and the toy maker. And some stuff gets revealed about the toy maker's character in this and some of the other series too. But I just kind of want to unpack some stuff for us all to think about. It is said he might be the Mandarin, which is fun for me because that's my favorite Marvel villain that the MCU did not do what I wanted them to do with. But that's fine. He also, there's a Chinese guy that he could possibly be. He also could be part of the Council of Creation. And you might be wondering, on our Origins of Doctor Who episode, we didn't talk about a Council of Creation. Doctor Who has way too much cosmology and origin stories for us to just do one of them. We picked the timeline because uh, time is fun. And we could have picked any number of different origins or cosmologies to talk about. And here's the cool parts. In the earlier series, it said that he came from the same universe as the Doctor. But in this series, in the Nightmare at the Fair, the Doctor kind of suggests that maybe he comes from a universe before ours. And that's why he's able to do all that he's able to do, and he's not affected by some of the same stuff everyone's affected by, because he came from a universe before our universe. Which, oh man, that means he's not from the same universe as the Doctor. Oh, how sad. But the endless child stuff that we all hate suggests that the Doctor might come from the universe before our universe, which is why the Doctor came in the time-space matrix, which now might mean, again, maybe the Toymaker is from a universe before our own, but so was the Doctor. Maybe they are from the same universe. And maybe this all ties together, and even though none of us like the Endless Child, Russell T. Davies might just come in and make something, some connections, and we might all go, dang, we were wrong about that line. Turns out the Timeless Child might be cool, depending on what they do here. So keep your mm. eyes peeled for the toy maker, what universe he's from, and listen to that audiobook. I promise it'll be worth it. I am so excited to see what Russell T. Davies does. And, you know, they don't bring in a big name like Neil Patrick Harris if it's just a throwaway character. Like, I, I think something big's going to happen, and I'm excited to see what it is. So is he just in the audiobook, the voice of the audiobook, not in like a TV show or a special or something like that? Is that something I'll bring on later? Like, um what you're saying about the audiobook, Neil uh, Patrick Harris is uh, is the voice. Oh, Neil of- Patrick Harris isn't in the audiobook. No. He's playing the character in the upcoming special. Gotcha. That hasn't come out yet. Yeah. Gotcha. The audiobook is from like the 80s, maybe? 70s? I don't remember. What well, makes was- sense? Like, I'm not a big, I'm not big. I mean, I know some of Doctor Who. I watched it yeah. when I was a kid, but I'm, I'm not caught up with all the last 20 years of reboots and Doctors and things. But I know I, I definitely respect its fandom and its place and in, in the geek verse and, and, and people mm-hmm. loving it so much. I, I, I think that's really cool. But it makes sense that if you have a 60th anniversary that you're going to do a little recon or retell some story to, to launch into another 60 years. Because, man, it's not losing steam. It's been around for 60 years and it's going to keep going. Similar like Star Trek and others. Like, man, there's good stuff out there, good backstory. And if something doesn't relate well or land well or something you told 40, 50 years ago, then then why not um, update it and evolve it yeah. and to the present day? So that makes sense. Yeah. And what I think is just from like the meta narrative aspect, what I think is interesting is the endless child. Part of why a lot of people had problems because there's literally a character that is time or something character that is this and this. And it's like, oh, my old rivalry with the doctor. And he like talks about all this stuff. And then the doctor has no idea who he is. We've never seen him on any of the shows in the last 60 years before. And everyone's like, how are you going to bring back an old like someone who's claiming to be the doctor's rival that we've never even seen before? So it kind of fell flat a little bit. And here we have one who actually is an old character that only those who've been watching from like early classic Doctor Who would remember this guy because he wasn't in the last 10 years. He wasn't in the 10 years before that. All of a sudden making a new appearance. Everyone's like, oh, what are they going to do with him? 
And if you've listened to this audiobook and stuff from like 30 years before, you're like, oh, oh, I know what they might be doing here. And it's kind of the opposite of what happened before, where they brought in someone new and acted like it was an old character. Now we have someone who actually is an old classic villain who feels like a wholly new thing. And yeah. I'm really, yeah, I'm excited to see what they do. And of course, whenever you have these Riddlers, you have these puzzles, you have this someone who just doesn't feel like they quite belong. And this is part of why I love the Hercules Disney movie. It's actually my favorite Disney movie. I love that. He doesn't feel like he belongs. He's trying to figure that out. And for me, that's always been something I related to is just this whole like I, I never quite feel like I belong here. Um, you know, I deal with like imposter syndrome sometimes. And I'm like, you know, yeah. um, these storylines that are getting at maybe if you don't belong here, where do you belong? And kind of wrestling with identity, belonging and all of that kind of stuff. It's just, uh, I don't know. For me, it's exciting. It's something I can relate to. And um, yeah, I'm ready to see what they do with it. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, that that's one of the biggest, um, you know, belonging, where do I belong is a big part of the human condition and the human story. And so uh, us writing stories, wrestling with that to help us wrestle, whether it's fiction, nonfiction, or just sh or sharing our own story is a, is a big part of the human journey. And so, yeah, why wouldn't something that's been around a long time wrestle with those things? And I think in geekdom, in fandom, uh, Comic-Cons, all those things, people are trying to find where where they belong. And, um, you know, they, you want to stand out, you want to be different, but you also want a, a community to be a part of. So um, I'm glad we can be in this space to, to share that, but then also lift up um, ways that we can ask similar questions and where we feel drawn to the divine and, um, and spirituality. So yeah, yeah, I'm proud of that. The other shout out of the themes in here, that's just fun. Um, the, the toy maker has this tendency to think that he's too good to be narcissist. Like he can't be full of himself. He actually just is that good. <laughs> yeah. And I, I just always find that funny, especially because uh, one of my friends in college, this is the last thing I promise. <laughs> we used to make a joke that we were going to create um, an arrogance anonymous club. And then we kept realizing that we were too good for it and didn't need it. Uh, cha -chong. Yeah. Cha -chong. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. It's like bragging about how humble you are. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. I, I am the humblest, which also great, uh, great song from was that Lonely Island that did that. Yeah. yeah. I don't know, but it was fun. That was funny. <laughs> All right. Uh, you want to jump in? I haven't got to see it yet, but uh, and talk some about the Marvels. Yeah. So you don't mind spoilers, huh? No, no, not at all. That is the point of this show. <laughs> Okay. Well, for those who haven't seen the Marvels and you care about spoilers, skip over this or pause, go see the movie and come back to it. Um, you know, this, this movie, um, I went and saw it with my family. My girls came home from college and for the last decade or so, we've all seen <clears throat> MCU movies together. And it was very nostalgic for us to go and um, go as a family to go see this movie. And, and we went in with, you know, uh, managed expectations and went in with the posture that we're going to have fun. And and we did. We had fun. I, I think the the headlines are that this movie's bombing, uh, that superhero movies are stale, that you go woke, you go broke. All, all those kind of message boards are, are happening. But I think this movie is suffering a little bit uh, from review bombing, from uh, toxic fandom, mainly males who feel threatened by uh, three strong free female leads in, in a movie. That's that's a part of it. But I also think there's a writer strike um, that that kept them from promoting the movie. And 
talking about and going out there in the public. Um, Brie Larson is is a polarizing um, figure to to a lot of fans, and you know she wasn't able to get out there and, and talk about the movie and, and her place at the MCU and where it's going and where it's headed. So I think I think there's a lot of factors here. People also are busy, money, theaters. Um, wait till Disney Plus, go to the, see it in the movie theater. All, all those things is a big part of, of kind of the what's going on with this particular movie. And then also some of the, the expectations and people had for phase four of, of the MCU. But I'll go out and say that my hot take is that I had a lot of fun with this movie. I think it was fantastically done. Uh, I think uh, the characters are charming. Miss Marvel, I loved that Disney Plus TV show and could not wait to see her next story and what was going to happen next. And in this movie, she meets her idol. She meets her hero, uh, Captain Marvel. She meets the person that she's been writing fan fiction about and dreaming about being a part of the Avengers one day. And she gets and to see her reactions and her acting um, uh, once she meets her hero and fighting alongside of and her heroes learning from her uh, was was a, a great journey. Yeah. Is it the Marvel formula? Yeah. Was the villain really compelling and earth threatening? And I felt like, man, this villain's going to stick around for a long time. No, not really. But it ties up some loose ends for Captain Marvel because she's been gone a long time. She's called the Annihilator because she destroyed a planet's sun. You have the backdrop of the Kree scroll uh, war and the conflict and who's the bad guy? Who's the good guy? What we've done, Nick Fury's done with the scrolls or not, this displaced aliens who are, are refugees in the universe at toys with that a little bit. So all in all, I, I had a lot of fun. I thought I'll probably go back and watch it again. There's a lot of Marvel movies as of late that I'm like, oh, that was fun. I don't need to go back and watch that. But this one I want to because um, I found that the um, the special effects, the fighting, the superhero-ness of it all was, was a lot of fun. So there you go. There, That's that's what I think. And Miss Marvel, Kamala Khan, is so charming. And she is the future, I think, of the MCU. And there at the end, there's a at the very end of the movie, if we remember back in Iron Man, that the beginning of all things, Nick Fury comes to this end credit scene and comes out of the dark and talks to Tony Stark and says, I have a bigger plan. Uh, there's a bigger purpose. I'm a drawn together a team and I want you to be a part of it. And people freaked out because, oh man, here comes the Avengers, right? Then you've been build 10 years of these characters leading up to the Avengers doing things together and teaming up. And then you had Endgame. Well, at the end of this movie, here you have Miss Marvel Kamala Khan coming out of the darkness to go talk to Kate Bishop and says, hey, Hawkeye, new Hawkeye, young Avenger, um, I'm, I'm building a team. And I think there's something that we can do together to make the world a better place, playing that Nick Fury role. And uh, Kate Bishop's like, but I'm 23. I'm not necessarily young. <laughs> and he was like, well, I don't care. We're going to do this. And so this whole build up to a new Avengers team, a young Avengers team really excites me and that connective tissue that I can't wait to see what the next um, phase is. And then there's a mid credit end scene where, um, it's, it's no it's no secret that my first love in comics is the X-Men, and I still love the X-Men. I love the mutants. I love what they're doing. Sometimes they write those stories really, really well, and I can't wait. Sometimes it gets a little stale, and I have to wait for them to reboot it, to do something new. Well, 
we finally getting the X-Men into the MCU universe with this mid credit scene of the Beast and Monica Rambeau being ripped through a time portal to a different dimension and universe and the X-Men are in that universe. Is it the X-Men of the original X-Men movies or is it uh, the X-Men of the 90, uh, the 90s X-Men cartoons? We don't know yet. We do know that Disney Plus is going to do a, a kind of a reboot of the X-Men animated series called X-Men 97. Um, and so is it that universe? Is it not? I don't know. But hey, Monica Rambeau, Rambeau is now in a different universe where the X-Men dwell. And so the next MCU adjacent movie is Deadpool 3. And um, there's going to be some X-Men in that. Is this going to play in and tie into another areas of uh, pulling in Secret Wars or Multiverse or X-Men and the Avengers coming together? Are we going to get a young Avengers versus the X-Men or teaming up? I don't know. But those possibilities really get me excited in a universe that may be stale for others or that they're just tired the, of the Marvel formula. I'm excited about potential of what could happen next. Still maintain the Marvel formula doesn't exist. But ah, there you go. Well, I think that formula of you bring heroes together, there's a threat, you conquer the threat, and then you lead on to the next thing. I think, yeah, I mean, that's that's kind yeah. of most movies. I that's guess where you are, the, the comic books still have that formula of how you tell the hero's journey or or a superhero story. And I think, um, you know, whether that's getting stale for folks out there in 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 the the popular culture, I don't I don't know. Yeah, I am. Um, Man, I'm gonna sound like a young person. This is weird. I, <laughs> no, I um, I guess it's not that I don't think the formula exists. It's that I think that every time I ask someone what the formula is, it's something that movies have done for a very long time, way before the MCU. Like, yeah. oh, well, it's when the bad guy is the same as the good guy, but only bad, and you have big name actors and you bring in a high level composer to make it all come. And I'm like. So Indiana Jones is the MCU formula. <laughs> Star Wars. Oh, that's weird. Yeah. <laughs> no, and it's like that just doesn't. Casablanca. Doesn't Casablanca. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I'm like, <laughs> I like. I for me, what I think that the problem is is it. It's all too samey. Like it just has the same vibe. I yeah. use the word vibe, but I feel like that's it. Like it's like the bright mm -hmm. colors, the the high like fun music, and I feel like people are just ready for. A little bit of mix up. It's where I think Deadpool and Blade might really shake things up and make the MCU a little more uh, mainstream, even though those are both going to be like R rated films. I could yeah. see it uh, doing something there. Also, yeah, I, I read a review that talked about this movie being like uh, a wedding, you know, that in weddings or, or, or marriages, when you're doing a ceremony, you'd have something, something old, something new, something borrowed. And this movie had something old, Captain Mar Marvel. You have something new, Miss Marvel, something borrowed. You have Monica Rambeau brought in from uh, WandaVision. And so these coming together, these three leads are, are drawing in a lot of different things. And I think Miss Marvel, uh, Kamala Khan brings a, a a breath of fresh air into the room for potential of of the future and 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 everyone I've talked to whether you like Captain Marvel or Brie Larson or what her place in the MCU too powerful or not or or comes off as flat or or whatever I think everyone has said Miss Marvel steals the show and and she is fantastic um, and and building off of her that in at the end of the movie to say that we're gonna build some things off of her and a new team around her, I think is, is really smart. And, and I'm really excited yeah. about. Oh yeah. Yeah. That was some of the stuff I wanted to ask you about even 
I haven't seen it yet again. Yeah. Um, the, the chemistry, that was the big thing for me is like, I was like, I expect it to be a very generic story and for them not to do something that's going to really progress the overall narrative because I just, they haven't in a while and I don't think they're going to right now for some reason. But the thing I was most interested in wasn't really the plot or anything to this movie. It was how are these play- characters going to play off each other? Because, you know, Miss um, Marvel's like one of my favorites, maybe my favorite hero and in the comics. And yeah, they changed a lot in the show. And now they retcon some in the comics that I and I don't love all of it. But the characters the same. And I love the character, which makes me wonder about like the character's chemistry with the other with the others. Was that like a big highlight of it? Did they all seem like they played off each other really well? Did they have yeah. any like Tony Stark, yeah. Captain America moments? <laughs> Absolutely. And and part of the big movie is that they're like quantum entangled. So when they use their powers, they switch places. Like there's so there's so much chemistry that they switch places <laughs> in these fight scenes and the way they uh, coordinate that and and play off music and the fight scenes. Uh, I want to go see that just is similar to the Shang-Chi um, uh, uh kind of public bus fight scene with that mute that beat drops and they start fighting yeah. and they have the slow mo and I'm like, this is the coolest thing I've seen in a long time. There's moments in that movie where they quantum leap or quantum entanglement back and forth and switch spots where they're, they're this fight scene and, and it's really well done. And then when they eventually come together, it is Miss Marvel who calls themselves the, Oh, we're the Marvels because we're, our powers are so much alike with, um, with with how we deal with cosmic energy that that yeah why wouldn't we be entangled there's things that are pulling us together to work as a team and they have to work together as a team and i i thought the chemistry was great on scene and their power set and how they play and train with one another to learn how to use it in the right way to work together as a team was really really well done i did not cringe or roll my eyes at it i i thought with that story was done. there's different parts of the movie and things that happen you're like okay can we speed this along or why do we need that um um, you know, like with any movie that that I'm I'm kind of watching, but um, I thought their how they work together on screen and then even how they use their power set was was pretty pretty epic. And you know, I took my girls who are in college, and I was like coming out of the movie, I was like, you know, you haven't watched all these um, Disney Plus, you don't read the comics, all this stuff. How this movie hold together? They're like, it was a lot of fun. We really liked it. Uh, there were some scenes yeah. where they were like, yeah, there's a couple of cringy scenes where like maybe they held that too much or wonder why that was going on in a movie. Yeah. But but all in all, the storyline was they they loved it and thought it was great. And if you like cats, if you like Flarkins, if you like kittens, they are all over this movie. So if you if you just like cats a little bit, uh, you're going to love this. And, and, you know, even if you're not a cat person, come on, kittens, uh, alien kittens who can pull you no. into a different dimension and portal. Uh, it's it, it was so good and so well done. I, I was like, man, I, I want to go buy a cat and name it name it goose or or chewy or whatever and and go from there yeah i uh after having my first cat with my wife i don't imagine ever having the desire to go get a cat like i just don't <laughs> think it'll ever happen uh, might find but, you. you know you never know the yeah. um yeah i mean i'm excited for that last question and we'll we'll move on to our, our last topic um, yeah in the show one of the last things she does in the fight scenes miss marvel gets to say and begin and do like the classic comic book move she did. Do they play off that anymore? Do they have any more of her like kind of stretchy powers involved? Yeah, yeah. I mean, she they definitely told her they didn't say, I mean, she didn't have a mutant um, 
you know, gene uh, um, activation where she now is a yeah. polymorph like she is in the comics. But she <laughs> she definitely yeah. used her power. They said she what she her power set is hard light. She can turn light into to hard light and she uses that to jump off of. And then there's a couple of times when she did the big fist and punched and stretched way out to, to people. So you saw that kind of thing where she reaches out to someone real far away with the light in a big fist, almost like a green lantern or, or what she does in the comics, uh, stretch out her legs. Some it, there wasn't a lot of stretchy powers, but there's certain parts in the fight scenes. You're like, ah, there she is. There's what I know from, from the comics. If you, ah, you, you know, you know, kind of thing. <laughs> um, she never said in big end, but they, they, they doubled down a little cheesy. her cosmic energy that. activated with this bangle or the quantum bands linked them together. And uh, that's how she used her power set. And she grew in how she used power. She, there were times when she didn't know what she was doing or she's still learning. She's a kid. She's in high school. She's trying to learn how to use her powers and learning curve. Um, I mean, she grew her character arc uh, grew in this. Perfect. Perfect. I I'm excited to see it. Hopefully soon. Um, but you know, it's Thanksgiving time. I'm, I'm busy making Turkey. I got one thawing in my, my fridge and then I got to go get another one. You know, go see this movie folks, give us some money. So they keep doing stuff. And I, I think, you know, they tie up, um, Captain Marvel's story arc a, a little bit and they lean more into what's next for Miss Marvel and Monica in a different dimension with X-Men. So that's fun. Nice. So, uh, speaking of Ooh. the MCU, yeah. we got a, the main, the main line. What we wanted to talk about was Loki season two. This Ew. is an image from season one, but man, for, for me, I, whenever season one started, I kind of want to get your feel on this too. I was like, Oh, more Loki. But again, I was still excited because I like the MCU and I'm like, I'm sure it could be good. And then they said, Owen Wilson's going to be in it. And I'm like, Oh, Loki. <laughs> <laughs> I love him. And then him in the show hasn't disappointed a single time. Um, yeah. For you, what was your first reactions whenever you heard they were doing a Loki show? Were you excited? Or were you just like, oh, more Loki? Or yeah, I like I like Loki and Tom Middleton. Like I I like that character. I was like, oh, let's see what we do. And if we're gonna play it way at the beginning, this is right right you know WandaVision and then Loki was next. And so they playing around with the Disney Plus streaming shows and the multiverse and that kind of thing. So you didn't quite know what was going on. I love the first season. I love what they did. Um, it was probably one of my favorite Disney plus streaming shows that they had done. And so when they talked about season two, I was like, all right, let's, let's do this. And I think by the time we got to season two of Loki, all our expectations of these big, huge connective tissues and legacy characters and Mephisto or Thanos is going to show up or whatever they're going to do. It, we're all beat down. They're like, no, that's not what these shows are about. They're just the character arc story of the person who's actually in the show. That's what the show is about. And there might be a few Easter eggs here and there, um, but but we're going to deal mainly with this person. And that's what they did in season one. And then they built off that in season two. So I think season one and season two is my favorite thing that the MCU has done with the streaming services. It was it's absolutely fun. It was self-contained, yet yeah, has ramifications for the greater MCU and what's going on in the multiverse and time branches and all that stuff. But the TVA, the people who work at the TVA behind the scene and the characters within that who come together – man, they pulled it off. It was uh, so good. And I loved it. It's my favorite thing that, that they've oh, yeah. done. Streaming verse. Yeah. I, I hear rumor that TVA is going to be in the Deadpool movie. And I really hope that's the case. That would be cool. Yeah. 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 They don't need any of like the main characters. Just someone with like a TVA suit or something where you're like, oh, oh, OK. Yeah. Makes <laughs> Just sense. a nod. Yeah. That'd be cool. Um, Yeah. I I don't think it's my favorite of the MCU shows. 
but I do really like it. It does have some of my favorite characters, Owen Wilson. And then, um, man, I can, I never remember the guy's name. I just say shortstop, <laughs> you know, short round, short round. Short round. Yeah, um, yeah. Um, or uh, Burroughs, uh, Obi, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah the yeah. actor's name, we always forget the actor's name. We're bad at that. But the, um, uh, yeah, he, he was just, um, uh, just, just a, a delight in yeah, this movie and brought a levity to something really heavy. I mean, I think our friend Ryan does cross by frost. We've talked about it on did some episode reviews of that. You can go back and, and look at some of those reviews, but I think season one of episode one of Loki started with the title glorious purpose. And when they drew him out, this is a Loki who is just not has gone through the entire MCU, but this is a Loki who um, is pulled out of the Avengers movie. So he, the first Avengers movie. So this is not necessarily in game Loki. Um, it is, it is very young MCU Loki and they really get at um, Mobius Owen, Owen Wilson's character asking him, what do you want? What are you chasing after? What, why are you doing all this? And man, is that not a big human question that we ask all the time? What are we chasing after? What do we really want? What do we hunger for? What are, what are we really longing for in this universe? And and that first episode is is called Glorious Purpose. Now, the last episode in season two is called Glorious Purpose because he finds his glorious purpose. And it comes through self-sacrifice and friendship. And it's not about the why, it's about the who. Who's in your life and, and who do you value? And so that whole story arc of him finally discovering his glorious purpose and that giving him a little bit of of a uh, of self-satisfaction uh, and and like the the tear in his eye and the soft smile at the end of of this series. Um, man, that, that, yeah. that story arc is, is unreal. It's, is fantastic. Yeah. It's, it was it's a, great. a masterclass and an existential longing for humans and what they want in this universe. <laughs> Which is funny because he's not a human. Um, yeah, I think one of my favorite lines in the season two was when they, she said, you're playing God. And he goes, we are gods. <laughs> I was like, oh yeah. It's like, we all forgot that, that bit along the way. I feel like, cause he just feels like. It feels like its own thing, almost like it's an entire own entity separate from MCU or anything else. It's like just its own show. Um, yeah. But it does tie in in a few different places. I, I yeah, I do really, I really enjoy the arc overall. I had a, a friend tell me something that pointed out to me. I was like, oh, Loki has never been about glorious purpose in that way. In the beginning, he said glorious purpose. And what he really meant is that his purpose was glory. He just wanted to be glorified on Earth, wherever he was at. He wanted people to recognize how great he was. And in the end of this story in season two, his glory that we give him now is that he had purpose without receiving any glory for it. No one knows what he did. He just fulfilled his purpose. And it was like, oh, man, he went from his purpose being glory to a purpose where he didn't really get any glory from it. I was right, like, man. Yeah, it's just it's so cool to see the character progression and it didn't feel forced or anything. It all made sense. And it was like, wow, this is just a great character arc. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I I'll say, too, like at the beginning of season two, um, Mobius is talking about how the TVA is a sham or he who remains. Everything's broken down. There's this element of deconstruction of everything you believed is wrong and what you're working for is meaningless. Uh, and if we tell everybody that, then what, what's going to happen? Chaos, right? So they're wrestling with those questions too, in terms of what happens when everything you believe and everything you put your heart and soul into breaks down, what's next? And so they're having to 
to manage all that, but also try to figure out what what's next for them, how they rebuild or do something different. And by the time you get to the end, it, it's his it's the friendships and the community and and letting go that I'm the one who has to sacrifice myself um, to to make something greater or tie it all together. So there you have Yagrasil, the the world tree uh, there at the end that binds all realms and timelines, and it's Loki that's holding together. He's no longer the god of lies and mischief. He's the god of stories who's pulling them all together. And so it wasn't lost to me this whole season that the god of lies and mischief is the one who's really trying to be the true teller and to pull people together. And by the end, he embraces that. So whether this is the final chapter in Loki, we never see Loki again. He's just behind the scenes holding the branches together. Or if they pull him in and other um, – yeah, I think the MCU has played around a lot with the multiverse and they, they haven't – figured out what to do with that they're just that's what's hot right now and so whether it's dr strange or spider-man or whatever but man if if this particular loki who's had this character growth be the one to pull all together and and have some connective tissues then man i'm i'm all for that i think the actor who plays um kang and the he who remains is, is in hot water and don't know if they can keep going with with him in terms of uh real world stuff um but if they if they shift from from him to go into maybe Loki's the one pulling these things together and trying to repair the multiverse and and um, do that, then then cool. Then cool. Yeah. Yeah. And we talked all around it, but I want to get it for any people who are like, what are they talking about? Um, Loki starts off. He's pulled from a timeline because what happens in in-game creates a variant of what shouldn't have happened. Loki shouldn't have gotten away with the space stone. Right. Yeah. Um, you go through this whole story arc that he's helping them hunt down a different variant of Loki, it turns out, who he falls in love with, whose name is Sylvie, who I love that character in season one and then season two happened. Um, I won't get into that. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, the yeah. mullet. I don't know, man. The <laughs> But going through and them working together to figure out who's pulling all the strings, who is like what's behind the TVA? What is forcing everyone to stick to what they call the sacred timeline that for some mm. people – the sacred timeline just screws them over. It means there can't exist a timeline where they come out on top. And for Loki, with his glorious purpose, always being a loser, doesn't like that. For Sylvie, who just wants to be able to exist, basically, yeah. obviously doesn't like that. Yeah. No. So they go through, they find we who ends up being King the Conqueror. He who remains at the end of season one with what a lot of people love the end of season one that finale episode. And I just couldn't stand it because it was just I talking for like 40 minutes. Like, I don't, <laughs> why just do yeah, a podcast why'd you need to do a tv episode <laughs> you gotta explain things you can't just skip over it that's one thing's uh, like ahsoka and some of the star wars stuff they skip over like you see a couple me. extra don't sentences i know i know but anyway yeah yeah it ends he presents them with the choice where if they kill him there will be an all-time war all the kings will come back and someone worse will replace him or they can take his place and rule and they could be the ones in charge of time, keeping the sacred timeline, but the sacred timeline doesn't exist. Everything's going to be terrible is what he says. Long story short, um, Sylvie kills him. Loki gets pushed into a different dimension. He thinks maybe it turns out it wasn't, but you know, whatever. Um, and then season two starts. And what we see throughout this season is um, these other timelines are starting to just wither away to die away all of spaghetti time is spaghetti. kind of broken spaghetti fi. if you like pasta spaghetti. you like spaghetti yeah. this is your show you're gonna get hungry at the end <laughs> and uh man that's what i loved about the end of season two 
is Loki finally is able to control. Like he's been glitching through time and they call it time slipping where he just ends yeah. up in different times randomly in the middle of a sentence or something. And it turns out it wasn't so random. He was yeah. able to control it. And eventually he goes back to that end of season one and he's confronting Kang and he's like trying to figure out how to stop everything that's happening. And Kang already knew all this was going to happen. He planned on this happening. And that's the first time for me that Kang the Conqueror was interesting is when he knew this was all going to happen. All of season two was already planned out and he was just waiting for Loki to show up at that time. And it's like, yeah. oh, oh, and the fact they never it. call him Kang. He never he's never yeah. he never calls Kang. He um, he, he they call him. Remains. He remains the most time. And and they find Victor a guy and sees it. Victor Timely, which, you know, uh, Easter Marvel. egg. Marvel, Marvel was called Timely Comics before it was called Marvel Comics. So there's your Easter egg of uh, Timely, Timely Comics, Victor Timely. Yeah, that's pretty great. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Um, as far as like just like the basic storyline, do you have anything else you wanted to add in there or anything that I left out? Yeah, I just like that they picked up immediately. So when the start of season two happened, it was kind of like, where are they going to begin? What's going to happen? I had no idea what where they begin this series. And they they started immediately right after season one. So they jump right in. So it's like, man, not a not any kind of time jump or anything. Um, and then you build through and you meet new characters along the way and you get to love the people on the TVA. And when you see people spaghettified, you're like, man, I, I don't want to see them not exist. And so what I'm, yeah. I'm along with Loki. I, I don't want to see them not exist. I want them present. I want who they truly are or long for to, to, to be a part of, of my story. Um, mm -hmm. And then when you get to the final episode, he goes through almost like a Groundhog Day kind of um, <laughs> experience where he yeah. experiences all the time and trying different ways, kind of similar to, you know, uh, Bill Murray learning to play the piano or ice sculpt. You know, he's he's learning as he goes uh, along. But eventually, after centuries, <laughs> he finally is like, oh, finally learns his lesson that he's the one. He's the God. He's the one who it doesn't affect. He's the one who has to do this. And um, and so his principle is not killing Sylvie or 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 not wanting them to exist it 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 draws into him making the ultimate sacrifice and and his glorious purpose is that to, to pull these branches together these, these realms and timelines and and i love mm -hmm. that character and again if we never see him again awesome man they landed that plane great and i can't say that they've done a lot of that in the mcu over the last you know three or four years since in-game um they stuck the landing there i think they stuck the landing here and it could open up to other mm -hmm. things but but man yeah. yeah, yeah, I, yeah, it was so cool. Um, and, and then I think for me, I like how it kind of opens up one of my favorite theological debates because you have this point. Um, which uh, let me say, there's two. I feel like there's two messages in season two. There is the the very baseline. Hey, friendship is important. And I love I love when movies and shows do that, because for a long time, all we ever got was romantic love is the answer. And if you find your one true love and I'm sorry, I love 90s Disney movies. But come on, guys, every movie yeah. love is yeah. the answer, really. Um, and to see friendship highlighted and valued the way it is, especially because I'm a big C.S. Lewis fan. My biggest my favorite book from C.S. Lewis is actually The Four Loves, which yeah. might just be my favorite book. And he even talks about in the in the friendship section. He goes, yeah, there's uh, it's been hundreds of years since we had stories that highlighted real friendships outside of like Frodo and Sam, which was funny. He gave a little nod to Tolkien and <laughs> it was like that. That's it. He's like, we don't really have stories about friendship anymore because we all are too afraid of what's funny is he pointed this out. And it's not I don't think it's a thing in today's culture as much as it is. Um, it was in his culture. And then even when I grew up in the 90s, you know, we would uh 
be scared of being too close to our guy friends because what if someone thought we were gay? Can't have that. And Lewis actually talks about that. And it was part of why we didn't see this kind of friendship for a long time, because we didn't want people to start fan ficting our friends together, because that's just weird. People didn't want that in the character. So we just avoided it. And to see it kind of making a rise again and seeing that as a main thing in this, I love that. But the thing that I found more interesting to talk about was you do have this, even when he's doing the time slip, he's going back. Um, you mentioned the the Bill Murray stuff. It reminded me of an episode of Doctor Who, Hellbent where the doctor is stuck in a time loop and finds out that what he does still makes a difference. He's just looping. So he punches a wall of crystal over and over and over for millions of years until it finally breaks through because he's like, you know what? I'm just going to sacrifice myself because eventually I'll make it through. And this was like the opposite. Um, and I think the reason it works for Doctor Who is the doctor always finds a third way. And for that one time, instead of finding a third way, he just persisted that that was a big statement. And in this show, Loki always persists and always fails. He never finds the third way. So I think for him, it was interesting to see him try to persist, literally go, how long do I need to learn physics the way that you know it? Centuries. OK, so he just does a time loop for centuries and just learns <laughs> physics, which I, one of my favorite parts of the show. It was so funny. Yeah. Centuries later. That, that yeah. was pretty fun. That was pretty good. Show. And yeah, and eventually. Loki realizes he can't just persist this time. Loki had to find the third way. And it was fun because he they present it almost like a theological debate. He time shifts and he goes over to Sylvie and he goes, what do you think I should do? And she's like, even if we all die, free will, old like dogmatic free will. Everyone should be able to get a choice. That's it. Just drew a hard line there. And he goes to King and King goes, yeah, uh, everything will disappear without the loom and all this stuff that I created. If we don't have the sacred timeline, they're all just going to spaghettify. And in order to keep things from dying, we have to have predestination. We have to have the sacred timeline. And Loki is presented with the great theological debate of the last few centuries that all Christians have been talking about or Christian scholars of does God want free will or does God want predestination? And then Loki kind of comes up with a third way. Mm. Um, yeah, Will, what what do you think as far as like how this part of that's framed and as a uh, pastor, like how do you wrestle with these kind of questions? Yeah, I think. Um, so what do you think that third way is? What what was Loki's third way? Naming that. I think that Loki kind of realized we can't have freedom. It just takes sacrifice. And I think for mm. him, rather than there having to be some predestination, some sovereignty thing of sacred timeline, whatever, Loki saw that we could have something, hold it together. And and, and that's what I kind of maintain. It's a, it's a weird third way of, I think we're able to have free will because of the fixed point in time where Jesus came and made that sacrifice so that we do have free will. Um, I think without that, yeah, we're all either going to obey the law or not. And that's that, the end. So the third way is kind of both and. So the third way is kind of both and tension between the two. I I I think that's where I am. I'm I'm definitely um you know what I don't think humans and the life the spiritual life is that we're all puppets on strings being controlled because then then what's the point you know and but I do think there's a a sense of um sovereignty behind it all as well. You know, I, I think, you know, you've had conversations with Tom Ord about what God can or can't do and uh, the, the, the freedom behind that and what we choose or don't choose. But I think there's also, um, you know, as a good Lutheran, I think, yeah, there's the, the tension of a both end of, yeah, I'm free. And yet, and yet I'm, I'm, I guess that verse, um, 
work out your salvation with fear and trembling, but it's also God who is at work in you. So that, that, that verse, I really hold on to that. There is a both end of God at work in my life, luring me, shaping me. Um, <clears throat> I'm entangled with all kinds of relationships and, and relationships and creation that, that I'm in, entrusted with. And yet I, I have the choice and the free will to, to build that up or to be good steward with it or, or tear it down. And so I think, I think they go hand in hand. And so I like that there at the end, Loki literally grabs two branches and pull them together with, with his will, with the self-sacrifice. And I think you could say the same with, um, I, I don't think we're predestined that my story's already written. So why would I even try? But I, I do mm-hmm. think there, there is something, a, a greater purpose around me and a grand story that I'm a part of. So all that goes hand in. I guess it's a cop out, the mystery of the both and, but, but I, I do think they go and play. And I think that's a part of the scriptures are trying to wrestle with that. And we're trying to wrestle, wrestle with that as a human. So if it wasn't a both and, if it was one, either or the other, then maybe we would have figured that out by now. So, yeah, I, I think what the story here is getting at. See, that's, that's not even where I, I think there is room for the idea. That's what I'm, that's how I'm going to word it. That, Jesus' sacrifice enables him to kind of hold our timelines like Loki's holding all the timelines and Mm -hmm. Jesus is holding on to Will who made the choice to go be a professional surfer, but also Will who made the choice to be a pastor. And Jesus has all your timelines in his hand, guiding them, holding them, loving you for all of the different use that you could be or could have been. Um, I like that. But, you know, personally, this is where I'm going to differ from this entire show and everybody else or I just don't think time really exists. So <laughs> you could always go to our Doctor Who episode that just came out Tuesday for for more on that. I just uh, I think everything has temporal parts. And that's why when you see different studies done that times affected different by gravity, I think it's because, uh, yeah, we just have temporal parts. Time's just a construct of our mind. It's not real. Yeah. So I do like the common ground of like a Norse mythology. You have this world tree holding the realms together. Right. And here at the end of this show, yeah. you have a tree. Yagrasil, I always mispronounce that holding the realms and the timeline together. Um, and, and I don't think it's by accident that in scriptures we have the tree trees at the beginning of the story in Genesis. And then we have a tree at the end. Oh, yeah. In Revelation. And then along the way, you have this tree of the cross that pulls them, those two together. Uh, and so uh, this idea of a tree of its roots and then growing and then branches bearing fruit um, is an image that humans use to think through our purpose in this world and what binds us together. And then trees are pretty important for our atmosphere, who we are, our symbiotic relationship with trees and nature. Mm-hmm. I, I think I think um, the, the Vikings and, and Norse mythology were, were onto something there. I think even within what we've learned in quantum physics and the quantum um, spaces and the mag- macro micro understanding of, of physics, there's realms entanglement and branches. And I, I think there is, I think there's truth behind that. And so I think we can also think of our lives on these timelines. And it's fun to think about what would, who would will be if my parents didn't move from the mountains in Asheville to the beach when I was, um, before I was born, I would have grown up in the mountains. There's an alternate version of will out there, but these choices that they've made affects who I am and affect all who we are. Um, and I see that, um, um, Christian put in uh, a, a, a comment. Is there a timeline where Joshua um, righteously respects Thomas Aquinas? Oh, no. Oh. Yeah. Time isn't real. So important. No. He's, he's an important, um, he's an important part. Aquinas is yeah. good. We have is there learn. an alternate universe where you mispronounce his name and say Aquinas when it's really Aquinas a lot? 
I I think that he's important because we have to learn bad theology to learn good theology. Man, but we're offending <laughs> all of our Catholic listeners. Sorry, guys. I um Catholic listener out there. No, but when I when I'm my temporal parts thing, um, I I wanted to go back to that. Just like I relate to everything in the three dimensions that you see my body in, I think the same thing's true with my temporal parts. Like I just think you know there was. I have a beginning and end and I have a temporal part of me. There's not like a timeline. It's just another dimension of my existence. Um, and I think that just as my three dimensional can interact with other three dimensional objects here, so does my temporal parts react with other temporal parts. I think the event of Christ dying was the one thing that interacts with all of our temporal parts. And it's mm. where I am kind of a soft universalist where I think, yeah, eventually we're all going to end up in God's hand, because uh, that's why he did that, to kind of change the ending of our story, the end of our temporal parts, whatever you want to, however you want to word it. I, I think that was an important event. And I think that in the same way of Loki being the tree, holding your timelines together, um, I can see Jesus interacting with who I am in a real dimension that is time. Yeah. And I think, you know, when we had like a... N- n- um, Newtonian understanding of physics before we understand kind of quantum physics, there was this understanding where the miracles uh, that Jesus performed and the resurrection seemed just like irrational. There's no way that could happen. But now there's so much strange things going on and how we understand physics and time and relativity that maybe the resurrection doesn't seem as strange um, of this particular entity uh, that we claim to be human and God at the same time, this entanglement. Uh, there's your drinking game. Every time I say entanglement, take a drink. There's my drinking game, not Darkwing Duck, but <laughs> a lot in sermons oh, and in conversations. But, but maybe Jesus' death, um, his incarnation is that singularity <clears throat> that binds the universe and um, humans and God uh, in, into one and, and a unification there. And I think some of our, our spirituality can talk about that union with Christ, the cosmic Christ, all those things uh, go hand in hand. Amen. Amen. And all, yeah. all God's people said Amen. Hey, that's good stuff. That is good stuff. You have anything else you wanted to add before we uh we can No, here's a silly six episode TV show about a Norse god that got us going deeper like this. That's what <laughs> we do in systematic ecology, you know. That's why we do what we do and there's no shortage of content and we'll keep doing it. Uh, you know, um oh, yeah. whether it is MCU fatigue or superhero fatigue, people will still write um compelling stories and character growth and wrestle with big questions of life and we'll be there for it to geek out and talk about the things we love and the things we continue to wrestle with. So that's why we do what we do as systematic ecology. And proud of Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. So with that, let's go ahead and jump to our wrap up. Um, And you guys know for our wrap up in uh, what's news episodes, we do things a little different. We don't just do a recommendation. We say of all of the things we highlighted, lightning round or not, have you got to pick one thing? If for some reason someone listening hasn't seen or heard any of this, what's the one recommendation you're going to tell them? You got to check this one out of everything we talked about. Oh, um, I'm with I'm with Loki. I'm with Loki. Start with uh, season one, go all the way through season two. Uh, they're relatively short seasons. Uh, they're contained. You don't. There's some MCU stuff that you're probably like, but man, just just watch the characters and their interaction with one another, um, and and that's enough on its own. I think I think it holds up standing up. You don't have to understand the entire MCU or the multiverse to to enjoy the ride and see what the character growth of Loki from season one to season two. 
Yeah, that's true. It might be a little confusing like that first episode, but I, th- I think you can pick it up and run with it. Yep. Um, if I had to pick one of everything we talked about, the the Nightmare Fair, that audiobook, getting ready for the Doctor Who 60th anniversary coming up, I highly recommend it. It's like four and a half hours if you listen at one time speed. If you listen to me at like three times speed, it, you know, it's like an hour. It's not that bad. And it's a fantastic story. It's a lot of fun. Very much kind of a spookier, more eerie version of Riddler running like Joker's fair. But instead of Batman, you have the doctor and it's like, oh, it's good. It's, it's good. good. Get, like celestic sci-fi spin to it. No, it's good stuff. I love it. So check that out. Check out Loki. Honestly, check out all these. I don't think we got anything that we didn't like today. So Miss Marvel, Miss Marvel, oh, man, watch this the hunger in the dusk. Yeah. Yeah, I mean they're all good stuff. We have read, so much read to be Will thankful for. Story arc with Miss with Miss Marvel. Grab that oh, yeah. trade and, and read it. You're gonna have fun. Yeah, and uh, yeah, we just have so much to be thankful for in fandoms today. There's so much going on, and uh, it is Thanksgiving season, so you yes. know, be thankful for these things. Check them out and just enjoy. You know, we can be geeks without being jerks. We can be Christians and people who love our fandoms and show up for Thanksgiving dinner. And we can do it all in peace and harmony and in love. And, and I'm and I'm entangled I'm with Joshua. one another. And I think I think <laughs> the title on this YouTube video is like you can should put everything wrong with the MCU. We break it apart, and then we don't talk about that at all. <laughs> you know, man, to to uh, kumbaya and how we like things. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, They're waiting an entire hour. Of, to see instead us of doing why everything's wrong with the MCU, and they yeah. never see it. Yeah. No. No. Yeah, uh, hopefully we can just be a positive voice out in all of the uh, some of the negativity. At least some, not all. There's a lot of other positive voices out there. Listen to positive voices. That's my recommendation. Listen to more positive voices. And with that, uh, remember, go check out our discord to kind of join in our discussions, geek out with all the other stuff that we're geeking out with. It'll keep it live and fresh and new. It's always a good time over there. And remember one extremely important thing. Um, and it's not the outro music that I forgot. What it is, is to remember that we're all a chosen people, a geekdom of priests. This was an Anazal Ministries podcast. If you enjoyed this show and would like to learn more about our network, be sure to check out the Anazal Ministries podcast network.